It's that time again. <laughs> it's that time. Ba da ba ba da ba. It's episode 139 of the NPCs. Travis is here. Of course, that's me. And Kyle's here. He's that's over there. That's me. Whoa. Yeah, he's right there. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> hey, Kyle. Hello. Hello. I know we didn't uh, podcast last week because I had the migraine from hell, but that didn't stop us at least from playing some video games together last Saturday. Yeah. 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 Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. God. Everything blurs together now. Yeah. I've been, off this, en- I've been off this entire week from work. And so a lot of it has been projects around the house and then actually catching up on a lot of video games. Um, but just this entire week has gone by so quick. It's just – just everything's a blur now. Oh, yeah. I don't even I remember what I've yeah. done. Yeah. I don't even remember anything. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you? Where are we? Who's this? Why is this mic in my face? <gasps> ah! No. <laughs> it's that time again. It's that time. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba. All right. So it's another week. Uh, another round of doing things, of playing video games, catching up on stuff. Uh, let's just hop into games because I know, Kyle, you have at least informed me and are excited to talk about this. You have beaten the first Mass Effect. I did. And you are now working your way through Mass Effect 2. I am. So how did Mass Effect 1 go for you? Did you uh, did you get that achievement on Steam for 100% on the Paragon points? I didn't. So you there didn't. was actually something that I missed. And um, when I checked, actually, when my tr- points transferred over, yeah. I had taken 17 Renegade points at some point. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know what happened there, but um, I don't think I got 100% of the points. I think I may have been a mission or two short. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was really hoping to actually hear that from you, that you had hit the 100%, but there are some of those things that look like they fall and teeter over towards the Paragon side, mm. but are actually Renegade, though. Like, I came across that in one mission I had recently where I shot somebody because I thought I was supposed to actually do mm-hmm. that just based on the way the choices were laid out. It made the most sense. Mm-hmm. But then I look and it said, it's like, you've got... 18 renegade points and and like 12 paragon it's like i wasn't supposed to shoot him see and i'm wondering if the those times where i was like man being being uh being a good guy means you're a total dick i wonder if those times i i is when i picked up those paragon point or those renegade points because like i i would just pull out my pistol and blast some dude in the pl- face, and I was like, "Whoa, what?" Maybe you, maybe you earn just like fractions of renegade points when you inadvertently pull your weapons out when you don't need to. Like you're on the I citadel wonder. and you're accidentally pulling weapons out. Like I wonder if it could penalize you for just forgetting the controls. That happened a lot because I'm so used to shift being run, and shift is actually uh, what what is it that like pause mode where it brings up the the Oh, the weapon selector wheel? Yeah. Okay. I I haven't played... I've played Mass Effect 3 on PC, 
I yeah, haven't played one it, or two, so I I don't really remember the controls. Yeah, even it's for like three, your command but... menu where you can tell them to tell your your partners to cast whatever and stuff. Right. So yeah, that that's what it brings up. So it automatically draws your weapons if you just tap it. And I'm like, crap. And then I have to hit H and put them away. I honestly don't think that's really the case, though. But that would be funny that it's like you're just you're in a very peaceful situation. Nothing's going on. You're just constantly drawing your weapons. And that's how they penalize you. And there were a couple missions, like especially towards the end. There was one guy that he wanted me to use this device on gambling machines so he could like hack the gambling. Well, not hack them. But basically, increase your odds of winning or whatever. It would that would emit a sound that increased your odds of winning, so you knew when to to bet high or whatever. Okay, so but you didn't help him at all, though. I didn't help him at all, but I did, I also I looked for an hour for someone to turn him into. Like I went I went into CSEC and I I talked to everyone in CSEC again, and I was like, well, crap, I can't turn him into anyone. <laughs> I can't even turn him into the person. <laughs> Because I went in and t- tried to talk to the, the barkeep that kicked him out. And I couldn't talk to him. He was like, oh, yeah, that dude, he's just he's just a cheater. We don't wow. want him here. <laughs> so, okay, so he, uh, man, so he was able to get away. Did you have any options to, like, arrest him yourself or even no. shoot him or anything? It was no, just basically... it gave me the option to help him or to just walk away. Interesting. But the uh, mission stayed in my menu until I left the Citadel. But that was basically the last time I was at the Citadel. That is very bizarre. I didn't do any romancing. Okay. So I I missed out on, I'm guessing, talking to characters between missions. So Yeah, because you can, because especially if your charisma is way up there, if you engage them on the Normandy Mm -hmm. as you're in between the missions and that, yeah, you'll be able to start fostering some of those things. Right. Again, it's not detrimental to the game. If you do it, you do it. If you don't, you're not going to really miss out on anything. There is actually as as an aware. achievement tied to kindling and uh, hooking up with someone else in a, in another game and then rekindling the romance in the third game from the first game. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So across all three games, then you have the... Okay. That's that's fun. It's something like that, but obviously I'm going to miss out on that. Right. Um, As for the ending, I got to talk about that for a minute. Okay, hit me. What's going on with the ending? So everyone hates number two, right? I guess. With the the Reaper baby, right? Oh, oh God, yeah, the Reaper baby. I forgot about that. You realize it was a Reaper hand. The, The ship was a Reaper hand. Like, and... I guess the the time that he talks to you, because um, that the ship talks to you at one point. That's the right. only time in the entire trilogy the Reapers talk to you. Well, technically, in Mass Effect One, when you're there on Vermeer, uh, Sovereign talks to you, and Sovereign's a Reaper. So yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. The oh. ship you're talking. Okay, yeah, okay. and and Sovereign is act that is actually a hand of a Reaper. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. I'm I must have it been crossing totally wires is. on something. It's totally gotta be. So yeah, okay. It's just sentient because well, robots, any piece of the being it could be sentient. I, I guess. I, I guess. I mean we can get into a whole discussion yeah. on, on I, I, robots. that that's my theory on it. Is um the the ship was just a giant hand of a bigger reaper. It's very possible. Um, I mean, it's not like you're going to have some sort of instance and, in Mass Effect 3 where it's going to be like, 
the Reaper Megazord or something like that, where it all comes together. And, right, right. You know. But I mean, knowing that the uh, Reaper Baby is coming in Mass Effect 2 at the end, because, uh, you know, I've seen so many videos on Mass Effect at this point. Um, we had that yeah. as a topic episode about like worst endings or something and the Mass Effect or worst bosses. And that one in Mass Effect 2 was one of them. You know, l- looking at, because um, especially beating the first game right now, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily bad. Okay. I, I think the Reapers getting sent to, what is it, Dark Space or uh, the the Abyss, what, whatever they call it. Um, I think it's Dark Space. I don't remember the name of it. Well, exactly. at, at any rate, I think them getting sent to Dark Space, it's not just them getting sent there. It's pieces of them. And it's the pieces that, you know... That that's how you get sovereign. Is he was a piece of a reaper, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very possible. Because I, I mean, I think I think we're actually looking at things that are potentially like bigger than like I don't even know what to uh, compare them to. Uh, shoot, what are the things from X Men? The the, the giant, sentinels. Yeah, the sentinels. I was thinking more in line like with the way the reapers are because they can infect really any any of the species there. Right. Um, I see them more as like the Borg in Star Trek. Yeah, but I mean like Sentinel-sized, like that'd be a baby one. Yeah, I mean that that is fair. I mean you could really look at it and at I, least I, in that regard. I would think that because they are a robotic race, mm-hmm. they, they do, a, like Borg, they grow by assimilation. Yeah, because you've only come across um, – husks so far haven't you have you you haven't come across any of the other races as reapers yet okay you will as things go on like you'll actually see like the krogan version you'll see um the um uh whatever garris is except Um, for uh mysterious man he's totally one of them yeah the elusive man is that what he's called yeah elusive man. what kind of asshole keeps that for his name if he's gonna run an organization elusive man are you fucking kidding me you're gonna trust that guy <laughs> because it's because it's science fiction baby I that's guess. what happens that's how they I do it yes I, I don't even know if there is anything lore wise that actually goes in to explain him um i mean there's the dlc i think for mass effect 2 that deals with the shadow broker that well, you'll actually see it's more funny of, that you but... say that because it's like it's like elusive man shadow broker Elusive man is telling me that the shadow broker is untrustworthy. <laughs> what? What? I know. I know. It's like it's like you That's find the out pot later. calling the kettle black there. Yeah, it's like you go and find out later on. You look, it's like his he, he goes by the name Elusive Man, but in reality his name is Tim. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Russell? Russell? I have his high school photo. Yeah. Oh, that's just Elusive man? No, that's Mick. That's Mick. He used to work at the dry cleaner down the road when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I I get that. I I uh, I see the like, I see some of the chaos that that brings up. But you think it's like for a science fiction thing, you've got to allow some of that too. Yeah. Like you think like um like you think Star Trek again. I'll go back to that. Like Q is one example. Right. You know. Um. Those those singular names and that too, or at least something that maybe describes them, but is not necessarily their name. Sure enough, okay, mm-hmm. Th- that's just how science fiction stuff works, anyway. So take it as you will. 
don't don't be too mad at it. Just just you know, be as just trust him as far as you can throw him. I, I I do like the fluidity of the uh, first game versus the second game so far. In which way? Just I I don't like the fact that after I'm I'm done with like an area, it's like mission complete, and it's like a, it's this mission end screen. It's like oh, am I am I not I going back there that. or? Did you notice though? I can't. I know for sure Mass Effect One, but I think it was Mass Effect Two where it seems like when Shepard is like sprinting, it looks like he just really needs to poop. Yeah, it's like he's looking for a bathroom and he's afraid to soil his N seven suit. Right. Yeah. It it was that I I know for sure Mass Effect uh, one was that way, especially when he gets sprinting because I kept on running into glitches on the Series X where he would think he's still holding a weapon. But he mm-hmm. wasn't when he was sprinting, so he'd be running, of course, <laughs> looking like he's carrying a weapon, but his legs would be out even a little bit more, too. It's like, That's funny. I don't know where a bathroom would be on here because every door you pass by looks like the door to a bathroom. You're on your own on this one, dude. Right. So I just had to ask if you had you know, noticed that one there. But you had alluded to a potential theory about something that you had with Mass Effect there. I, I think it was before we started Oh, that, that was the, the, the Reaper thing. The Reaper thing, specifically. Yeah. Okay, just no, wanted to make it, sure there wasn't something else the, on that top Sovereign of that. was actually just the hand of Sovereign. Well... Like, I think there is the potential that... I mean, if they wanted to go back and write it in, there could be Sovereign, and he he's like him minus his hand. <laughs> well, as you go through, you'll... You'll be pleasantly, pleasantly. I don't know if I want to use that word. You'll be surprised. Right. Just, just wait, especially when you get like through more of Mass Effect 2 and especially in Mass Effect 3, uh, you'll start to see more and more anyway that comes with that. Of course, once you get past fighting the the giant baby Reaper thing there at the end of Mass Effect 2. Right, anyway. right. The weirdest end boss, I think, ever actually out of any of them. So, um, Okay, so you're doing okay. So you've been through Mass Effect one. How many hours are you into Mass Effect two now? Oh man, um, I want to say last I checked, at least four or five. I four for sure, five. I want to say. Okay. okay, but once again, it doesn't feel like I've done much. I've only rescued one crew member, um, but I haven't really started the side missions either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it. It feels like a different game. It really does. It like the pacing's different and um, being broken up into chunks. I don't know if I like that yet, but I, I do tend to gravitate towards games that have that. So I'm not certain. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know what to tell you on that one. But so far, I've only um, I've only rescued the biotic chick. Biotic. She's like a psychopath. Oh, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jack. Um She has a very interesting story as you go through the rest of it though too. Cuz oh, there yeah. there are some things, yeah. There are some things about her and that that kind of psychotic side that you have to confront later on, but it ends up being actually a really good uh character development for her especially. So you don't think she's just the crazy one, you're going to you're going to see a lot more about her as you go on, though, too. Gotcha. Well, uh, I, I did notice there are more crew spots there, but there's a lot of new crew that they want you to recruit. Do you not get all your old crew back? Um, I think Rex was retired in this one for another 
another Krogan. Um, his name eludes me though right now. I just uh, I think he ends up getting replaced there because Rex is off doing something. I think I can't huh. remember, but I think he gets replaced by somebody. Um, I think Garrus is still there. I think I think Mass Effect Two is where you're introduced to Morton or Morton uh, Solus. Um, and then that yeah, there's familiar. Yeah, Morden is um, Morden is one we talked about um, in one of our podcast episodes, but I'm not going to say anything there because I'm just going to let you experience that. Yeah. Um, and then there's another. Yeah, there's definitely another one you don't have yet, and you won't see till probably about maybe halfway through. But I'm not going to say exactly who it is. Oh, okay. not going to because it's if you're not familiar with Mass Effect anyway, which you're coming into a lot of this blind. Right. Um, yeah. There's. There's well, one you're gonna be pleasantly surprised with when you see him. I I did encounter uh, Liara again already. Yep. Is she on the crew though with you? No, okay. she was uh, trying to track down one of uh, the the one her, one of her uh, group members that had gone to a a colony that was like way way out that they wouldn't normally visit. Um, Shoot, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember the whole backstory of it, but they they were out trying to rescue him, and um, he kind of lost his mind and set up all the defenses and the mechs for the base to like attack basically anything that moves. Hmm, okay, yeah, I don't recall that one. But she, you, you encounter her, and she's like. They're all like, "Oh, you're you're with uh, Cerberus," and you're like, "Well, kinda." <laughs> yeah, it's a very complicated situation yeah. when Cerberus like, comes into play. I don't know how to explain that one, but let me get back to you. <laughs> so, I have to ask you: with Mass Effect One on uh, Veramir, who did you end up letting? Uh, who did you end up letting die? The dude. You let Caden die. Yeah. Okay. I was the same. I, so I, I kept even, Ashley. I didn't even care for him as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I didn't really care either on which way it went. I Neither just, did I. Yeah, I didn't really care either way. I just knew that it was like, I think I want to keep Ashley around. I think it's because she's more aggressive on the actual um, weapon side. And then, of course, she is on the tech or biotic side. Right. So, or I guess, yeah, it's combat, tech, and biotic. So she was definitely more aggressive on the combat side. So I wanted to keep her instead of Caden, and that was why. So see, and I that that was it for me. But then I ended up never using her. Like I, my 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 final team ended yeah. up being Garrison Rex. But if it called for a biotic, I brought. Um, usually it was Rex and or no, I brought. Um, I brought, I want to say, Garrus and was it Liara? No, because she's the tech. Uh, no, it was Liara, right? Which one am I thinking? Liara's the... the... Liara's the Asari with the blue kind of okay, cowl going so back. So I haven't then... encountered her. I encountered okay. the, the the other chick. Tally. Tally. That's the one who I encountered The one with like, the face mask who yeah, you can only and they were, see they her were, eyes and... Yeah. 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 They were trying to rescue one of her crew. Yeah. The race who created the Geth. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. Cause Liara, I don't remember where else you may end up encountering her at in the game either. So, uh, 
I don't know. It, I, I'm still yeah. enjoying it. Though. Well, it's good. No, that's fine. Yeah, because especially when you get to Mass Effect 3 and everything else starts to kind of come back together. Because feel- Mass Effect 2, they built up based mm-hmm. on the feedback they got from Mass Effect 1. Of course, the bigger problems were the load times in the elevators, as an example. There right. was the stiffness in the combat. Um, you've heard it from me a lot about the Mako. Uh, so there were a lot of things they tried to go back to the drawing board with and said, what worked, what didn't, and what are people really frustrated about? Mm-hmm. That's why the cover system changed. That's why the uh, layout of health and team management stuff changed, um, you know, to a point. Uh, they kept a lot of the fundamentals, though, but went back and really tweaked some things, and some of it for the better, some of it not, which you're coming across anyway. I mean, you've already made it clear that, you right. know, like the mission complete stuff is just, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You'd much rather it just be a seamless, you finish something, Cuts to a cut scene or whatever, and then you're just back on the Normandy to pick where you're going exactly. next on the map. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. But what else did you play then besides Mass Effect? Um, let's see. So actually just last night I started uh what is it, Man Eater? Is that the shark one? Yeah. Okay. That one was one that Preston had talked to us about and was you know, it's one they hyped up for us, and then it kind of became a I bit of a disappointment. I don't have as many issues think? as he does. Okay, what do you think then? Uh uh for me it's kinda like uh, what was the one, what was the one game that every kid played in computer class that you got to pick a fish and you had to swim around and, and eat like whatever your specific species could eat? It was like a Windows 95 game. I don't remember. I do. Re- I, the only thing I can ever think of with like fish in that is that there was some sort of aquarium game that you could play as a kid, but then there was also one that dealt with like the alphabet in that too so well it kind of reminds me of that but in 3d in third person okay the target there is kind of a targeting system and it does wonk out the camera a little bit but once you get used to it i mean you're a shark it's super cool i mean what can you complain about you're a shark (laughs) man i mean part of the part of the game is you actually have to thrash and for for PC players, that means moving the mouse back and forth like, f- like furiously. I gotta imagine on so on it's, console, it's, it's got to be just the one of yeah, the joysticks. Yeah, it's, it's whatever your head motion is. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's gonna look insane. Okay. I mean, it's gonna look like someone that's it, that's insane is playing it, but it's so fun. Like if you need just a wind down game to just yeah. chill and I don't know. L- just do nothing it's mm-hmm. great it is it, it's fun i like it i mean for a chill out game i wouldn't necessarily consider it such but i'll take your word for it i like i mean it, for me there there are times where i i'm just like it, it's like i'm completely spent i just don't want to do anything it's I, I i just you know i need to deflate and that's perfect for it did um did you pick that up as a part of Steam Summer Sale then? No, I had uh, loaded it off of Game Pass. I I actually loaded a couple games. Um, another one huh. that I tried out, uh, but did not care for was, and I actually went, wanted to pre-order this one, so it's good that it made the the Game Pass was the Dark Alliance. Which one's Dark Alliance? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. I heard a lot of things about that game in particular that just didn't seem to sit well with others. What was your experience with it then, at least in the short amount of time? It actually takes um, characters from the Icewind Dale series, 
um, like the books and whatnot and the lore, and you play as them. It, it's weird. It, you have this hub world, kind of like in uh, what, what what was it, Warhammer? Um, yeah, it was a Warhammer Vermitide. That's okay. what it was. So you have this uh, hub world that you have to go out and do the missions from. Uh-huh. And if you're playing online, you may not get connected in the missions in the order that they play in. But from what I understand, that doesn't necessarily matter because the story's just all over the place as, as it is right now. That needs a lot of work. Um, the uh, gameplay is very simplistic. There's like two attack buttons. Is the way it felt like a like a like a lower level type attack, and then some sort of larger... like a like a weak and a strong. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, and I mean you can hold them to like power them up. I I want to say or do different stuff, but it, it's simple. It, it's it's less than what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm actually glad that I I picked it up. Forty dollars, not too bad for the game. I wouldn't personally pick it up unless it was like third twenty thirty. Okay. Okay. Cool. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, just what we played. <laughs> yeah, uh, Battlefield 4 and some uh some more Titanfall 2 because I mean Battlefield 4 is kicked off so so much because not only did we have um Amazon Gaming or what was Twitch Gaming, you know, Twitch Prime mm-hmm. uh giving away um a copy of the base Battlefield 4. So of course people still had to go out and buy the DLC. You know, they gave that away and then of course because of Battlefield 2042's trailer both the cinematic one and the gameplay trailer mm-hmm. that we got during E3, uh, th- the capacity ha- needed to be bumped on servers because you've got way more people playing that they than there has been in a long time. Can't tell me that wasn't planned. Oh, I'm sure. It, I'm fairly, fairly certain. Like it Amazon was giving like, yeah. it away just slightly oh, before yeah. the announcement and saying, oh yeah oh, just, guess it, what guys it just seemed like ea made that call and said hey we've got some keys to hook you up with here for your prime members here and uh yeah let's just make this happen now you know but it's i mean it's good though because at least it helps get people ready to go and figuring out exactly how battlefield works again especially given with the number of people playing Warzone right. and apex legends and fortnite and that is that because Battlefield is not going to be a battle royale. It's going to be a standard, like what we've all known and loved. The, oh, yeah. The, com- the, big, the big team battles. So it's good that everybody's getting back into it. But yeah, you know, that was neat to see. And at least they've got the capacity back up, though, too. Um, Titanfall 2 is Titanfall 2. But anyway, yeah, I've got a lot actually on my list this week. So um, just like you with Mass Effect, though, but I mm-hmm. haven't beaten one yet. I'm still on one. Um I finished uh, the um, Veramir mission, so Caden's dead, kept Ashley. Um, uh, then the last mission I did on there before I, like, the last time I played it, um, I went to an asteroid that was uh, circling around this planet, Terra Nova, that you have to um, shut down these jets that are firing on it because they were actually bringing the asteroid into the orbit of the planet to harvest the um, harvest the um, minerals and and materials off of it see i didn't get that mission so what they were doing here on this is they were bringing it in but these terrorists went on there and turned on the jet so that way it was just more like firing towards the planet so it would just destroy the planet Mm. they felt vindictive because they didn't um 
because these terrorists here thought that the planet was taken away from them. Um, it was more just they were sore losers because um, human colonists got there before they did. So they were just being sore losers about it. And that really becomes the case in the mission. Uh, but when you're going through and shutting down these different jets, of course, you get to the last one, which is like the big base. You see the main terrorist baddie there, and he gives you a choice. He's like, either let me go or I'm going to blow these people up over here. And one of these people is someone who actually helped you kind of figure out what was going on, like mm-hmm. just through comms and such. Well, here's the interesting thing. I went through the dialogue and I told the guy I was going to get him, that I wasn't going to let him go. I had nothing go off like as a cutscene or anything that actually blew up those people. So what happened is that I made my choice and the guy started running away. So I chased after him. Okay, I, I chased after him. I took down all the guys around him. You shoot him enough time he falls. It goes to another dialogue cutscene to, you know, pick what you're going to do with the guy. You're going to kill him there. Mm-hmm. You're going to wound him. You just going to um, are you just going to intimidate him? You know, so I went the route of, you know, the, the Paragon side and intimidate uh, or what was it? Uh, I intimidated him. I got him subdued. And then I said, it's like, I'm going to hand you over to the Alliance. Right. So I did that. And because there's nothing there that actually showed me anything happened to the people, um, it goes to another scene where it's some older person that's like some sort of administrator on this asteroid mm-hmm. as well, too, to help kind of manage what's going to happen with it. He comes and talks to me and um, he's asking about those people. And Shepard, of course, it's like the only options. It's like, yeah, they're dead. It's like, when did they die? And so the guy, of course, is upset about that. It's like, you know, Shepard, of course, is explaining. It's like, well, the small loss of life was necessary because of the greater impact because that asteroid hits the entire planet's destroyed. Right. So as I'm thinking, it's like, did I really let these people die? I get out of the dialogue cutscene with that guy, and it puts me in the room where these people died at and where they blew up. So there are corpses on the ground and <laughs> scorch marks all over the walls, and I'm like looking around. <laughs> just I'm like, one two three yeah that was them and so it made me feel really weird that it put me in the room where these people died at and i wasn't even in there when the dialogue kicked off with this other guy like it just felt so bizarre to be in there and it's like okay i knew it said that but maybe it's like maybe i thought maybe i had a timer or something like if i took him down sooner i didn't see a timer anywhere maybe they wouldn't blow up or something but i guess i let them die so whatever yeah but i'm sure that not having like or having let him go probably would have affected games later on that he would have appeared again or something you know like other missions so what have you you know just it's whatever but i was just like oh well this is uh this is a problem (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay only three people versus an entire planet of millions so i was like okay i feel at least a little bit vindicated on what i did um so that was mass effect uh, I also downloaded Yakuza Like a Dragon from Game Pass. Yes. Um, I haven't put much more time into it since the last time you and I talked about it um, outside of the podcast. Um, I have never played a Yakuza game before, but I got into Like a Dragon because of all the videos that had come up about it, like just a lot of the goofy stuff in there. And mm. I was like, I could use a game that I just sit back and just play and I'm just having a like just having a laugh at, you know, just having a good time playing. Um, something that doesn't necessarily frustrate me. I got into this game and first off, of course, it starts off with a cutscene of the, the leader of Yakuza or this Yakuza family or whatever, who's 
a kid and his dad takes him out to dinner after the stage play thing. The dad gets killed. The kid grows up and becomes the big boss for um, the the family and that. And it's just it's like, OK, I get that part there. And I thought maybe he's the main character in the story. It's like, no, it turns out it's just an underling who actually ends up being like the title character. And then going from that transition to having to run across town to go deal with someone who's selling animal porn to kids and beating him up to learn the actual fight moves, you know, to actually learn the combat, then having to run across to go talk to a woman at a bar who's apparently drunk and the guy's mad that she's drunk because it's like he was being summoned to talk to her about something important. But then there's that. Then he has to go across to this other place where there's an emergency of some type, but gets there and turns out that the toilets are just really clogged and he needs to go get a plunger. And then as he's going to get a plunger, he ends up going to talk to this woman at the smoke shop and the woman at the smoke shops just basically tell him to piss off. And then he ends up in a fight with all these other people. And then he ends up taking care of the, the head of the Yakuza family's uh, kid who's in a wheelchair who then injects himself with adrenaline or, or some sort of, shot or whatever to make him actually walk mm-hmm. get out of the wheelchair just i was like going left and right all these places i was like i don't know what to expect in playing this game now like i don't know what the hell's going on uh yeah and, you haven't even been hit with the biggest curveball no yet. it's the combat though that also threw me off i didn't know the combat was going to be turn-based i just expected to go in there and just start walloping on people Oh, yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing is now all the Yakuza games are going to be turn-based like, going is, forward. Was Like a Dragon the first one that was turn-based then? Yeah, like a Dragon was the first one that was That's turn-based. That's why it threw me off yeah. then is because I didn't expect it to be that no, way. No, the but... rest of them play um, – I don't know if you've played uh, Shenmue before. Yes. But, they yeah, they play much more like Shenmue. That's what I expected going into it. Like but I, with an obviously I, tighter fighting system. Right. I just didn't know what to expect, I guess, then. It's like I felt like I should have been aware of something, but going in I was like – Combat, okay, sure, that's fine, whatever. And then, what the fuck? A plunger? The lady at the smoke shop telling me to go fuck myself? And then getting into a fight with a really big guy who can't actually fight, where he tries to bring up a hammer over the top of his head, and he ends up falling back so I can combo his ass? It's just I, like... I'm guessing you don't remember me talking about this game too I much. I don't really fucking remember that's at all. That's good, because, yeah, this curveball, ooh, ooh. How far, like, so right now where I'm at in there was just after the main character was sitting in the bathroom and it was revealed about the young master's girlfriend or whatever, you know, basically just using him for the money and that. Um, It was basically at that point there when the guy's like, here, here's the money, pay the tab and go home. That's where I stopped playing for at least that Somewhere between like 15 and 45 minutes to the big, big curveball, I'd say. From that point Maybe an hour and a half max. Okay, okay. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Okay, that's that's where the game totally changes, and you have to actually start assembling your team. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts falling into place then because yeah, it oh man, it totally changes. <laughs> fair enough. Well, okay, so that was Yakuza. Um, I dabbled a little bit in Forza here and there just because it's like my kids like watching me play it, and they mm-hmm. like to play around with it and goof. So there's nothing to say about Forza. Uh, I did do uh, the update to Sea of Thieves. So A Pirate's Life is actually out already. That's the um, update they announced at E3, the Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean crossover, which I didn't – I must have missed the date because I didn't realize it was that quick. But I went to go boot it up to play with some friends, and it's like 
you have a 23 gig update to download. I'm like, 23 gigs. It's like, what did I miss that was this much? Yeah. So I downloaded the update and got in there and I was talking to him on there. I'm like, did Pirate's Life already drop? It's like, yeah, we've already been through the first mission on that. And I'm like, okay. So I got in there and they're like, well, if you want to go see the first mission, we don't have a problem doing that again because it was fun. I was like, okay. So the way this begins is you talk to someone at the beginning uh, that kind of reminds me of Tia Dalma from Pirates of the Caribbean, the the woman who ended up became, becoming uh, Calypso at the end of uh, the third Pirates of the Caribbean film. I don't remember that. Uh, one the, the, um, the black woman who ended up being... Did you watch the third Pirates of the Caribbean film? The uh, one where Davy Joe... Like, they're in the middle of the, uh, the whirlpool with the two ships shooting at each other. And I um, think so, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so Tia Dalma, of course, was in the second Pirates of the Caribbean, but she's in the... Um, third as well. She's the one who gave Jack Sparrow the jar of dirt. Oh, if you remember. Okay. okay, so it seems like you may not remember this. That's fine. But it seems like that's who you're talking to, but she's not actually given a name. She kind of goes and spins a little bit of a story there. And then as she's talking to you, a portal opens up behind her for you to actually take your ship through. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you end up going on rails um, at that point in time with your ship as soon as you go through the portal. So if you remember from, I think, the second Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe the third still, is that um, there are all of, like, these little boats going by that have, like, the the souls of the people who had died, like, out on the sea in that. Those are passing by you, um, huh. just kind of making you think that you are really, like, in the afterlife of sorts, but not necessarily dead. You're more just kind of going along by those who are right. being ferried out to the afterlife. Um, once you get there, then you um, get past that. Then you actually have some control of your ship and you park on this island. And your whole point of the going through this island now is um, you've got these uh, pirate ghosts that are coming up around you, kind of telling a story that they are on there to go look for treasure. Um, they end up finding the treasure. They're going in to kind of hide it. It's like a pirate's cove. Right. Um, and you're hearing this voice there saying, you know, dead man, tell no tales. Uh, lots of of exposition about um, pirate code and kind of a story to go with it. You got some puzzle stuff to figure out as you're moving through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, once you get through all of that, you end up um, you end up working with uh, the pirate captain that ended up being betrayed by the crew. You actually his skull is actually up in a in one of those like old cages that I guess they used to use of that in that time period. So you take his skull with you and he's instructing you on where to go, what to do more exposition from him. So finally, like you're wondering where does like the pirates of the Caribbean stuff fit into this? Well, after you get the pirate captain's skull back over to his body on the old, on his old ship, he lets you through and tells you where to go. And you end up on the boat of um, what's known as the ferryman. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who actually moves the souls along. Well, you go under or into his boat and you go back through into the cells. You end up finding Jack Sparrow. So Jack Sparrow, of course, um, uh, whoever it is that's actually voicing him, uh, it's not Johnny Depp, but I right. think it's someone who actually did the voices for him in other games that had Pirates of the Caribbean stuff in it, like uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 oh, okay. had that. So um you run into him he's a he's dead or something i think i don't know Hmm. because it's like he he can't get out of the cell but once you let him out 
he kind of like appears and then just disappears in a different spots, but he's still talking to you and then appears again. It, it's, it really is, you know, it's, it's, they've got the motions down for that character for Jack right. Sparrow really well in the animation. Then as you go topside again with him, the ferryman's pissed off that you let him out, but the ferryman can't do anything about it. And then Davy Jones shows up. Like literally the flying Dutchman shows up alongside of you and you end up having to spend like, oh God, it felt like 10 minutes mm-hmm. of um, fighting Davy Jones or at least the flying Dutchman with cannons and fighting his henchmen that would jump off of the boat and then swim up and jump onto the ferryman's oh, boat. Man. So a lot of back and forth on that. But the cannon part was just more of like, I wouldn't think you'd actually have to do the cannon part. It's it's all on rail, so you can't steer the ship. You're not doing anything other than just using the cannons, right? So uh, there was a lot of that, uh, there was a lot of that back and forth. You hear Davy Jones' voice, but you don't actually see him. And then once you get through that part of um, the fights, um, you hear more about the ferryman. And then he's like, "I'll put you back on your boat. I will send you back to the other side." And he does. He just sends you back to the other side. You're on your ship again, but Jack Sparrow is not with you. So whether or not huh. in the rest of this, there's going to be some sort of jumping back and forth between the afterlife and and the regular like overworld that is Sea of Thieves, you know, I don't know yet. Um, but it looks like where a lot of the mission or the, a lot of the story is going to revolve around is something that Jack Sparrow was carrying with him that was like key related or something it was it was a larger box it's like almost if you took his his magical compass that he had Mm -hmm. that always pointed him to whatever like he desired it was almost like something that looked like that but much bigger i'd almost say it was about the size of one of those chinese takeout boxes but in the shape of like that um that compass that he had so it's a Hmm. key to something he doesn't say what but it's snatched away by one of davy jones's like larger henchmen like if you've got tiers of them tier one or your base ones it was like a tier two so it was a bigger musclier gotcha gotcha whatever the hell you want to call it that took it away from him and uh they had a fight that you couldn't help him out with you just had to kind of see it as you were fighting the other guys but they took it back over to davy jones and then i think that's where everything's going to surround is whatever this key or package or, or thing was huh yeah not a lot there, at least, that told you what it was. Just it was more of the the subtle things that Jack Sparrow would say. It's like, this is the greatest treasure to this thing. And it's just, what is it then? You don't get any of that. Interesting. So, but it was fun. I will tell you, like, if you haven't played Sea of Thieves in a long time, I mean, it's on Game Pass. And so you oh, can yeah. go and it's, download it's it. It's been a hot minute uh, uh-huh. since I've played uh last i played um i i didn't even do we well we really didn't do any of the missions we we went and got just like random quests from from people Mm -hmm. and and turned them in basically faction quests yeah um and that's all we did for like pro i i think i've got like three or four hours of just doing that yeah and that's how my introduction was to it when I first started playing Sea of Thieves, um, yeah, because we didn't really know what year. the 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 basis was, and we, yeah. I mean, we were just screwing around anyway and just trying to have fun. So, and it was, I mean, I, I imagine following the story could even be more fun, but we never really got to that point. <laughs> Agre- yeah, it's. I honestly think, like, I mean, you can go any route there. I mean, doing the faction stuff helps build up those, like, levels and that, like, that respect, that mm-hmm. um, 
their no notoriety, I guess, maybe if you want to call it. But I think that's fine. And then, of course, it, since it's an online thing anyway, you're going to come across other people in ships. And oh, yeah. the the friends that I play with are those who have put in so much time to see if these, I'm talking like hundreds of hours into this game, mm-hmm. that it's just more of just sitting back and just waiting to see what they want to do. Because if they see another set of players on a ship there, these guys are fucking crazy. I'm talking like loading themselves up into cannons, throwing themselves over firebombs all over the ship, you know. Oh, my God. Like they'll even screw us over at some points on the ship, too, by taking the powder kegs over with them or at least like swimming and bringing them with. Um, Putting them onto the enemy's boat. And then when they firebomb them, of course, they'll blow up, though, too, you know. So it's like they're oh, they're geez. going crazy, almost like suicide bomber stuff. But it's you know resurrecting is not that hard of a thing to do in there anyway. Right. But it's like these guys are crazy. But they make fun. They make it fun though. They don't make it so that way. It's like they're just always trying to be dicks or anything. Mm-hmm. They always make it something enjoyable though. Um. So I don't ever come across feeling like an asshole with it anyway because you sure you might take somebody down, but you know that's kind of the whole point of the game anyway. Right. Is you know doing stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention when you go through that portal, uh, the um, uh, the megalodon that you can run into in the regular overworld mm-hmm. also appears in in there as soon as you go in, oh, and uh, it's known as Sky Shark. At least is what we called it the other night. Sky Shark. It's actually floating around up there above you, oh, and then we'll dive in. And it actually hit our ship a couple times as it was diving in and coming down. And it looked like a threat of some type, but it was just like, that's interesting to see that floating around. I expected almost like the Kraken huh. from Davy Jones to be like what would hit us, but right. didn't see it. So I was just, yeah, it was just one other thing I wanted to mention was just seeing this Megalodon floating around. It was just, huh, that's new. Can't do anything about it. That's going to suck if it hits us. And it didn't do much, but it was just like, damn, I don't want that to actually happen in, right. in the overworld there itself. Um, and then lastly, uh, for stuff I've played would be a lot of Minecraft, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, of course, we talked about it was the 117 update, the mm-hmm. Caves and Cliffs with uh, some of the new mobs, uh, of course, the Copper Ore being added. So I have um, the Glider or the Elytra, so I can fly around. I mean, if you make um, if you make fireworks, you can actually use those as your propellant to help you actually move. So you don't have to build up like towers to jump off of to go gliding. You can actually make um, fireworks and use those to propel you. Oh, that's cool. So that's what I had been doing. So I went about three or four thousand blocks to the west of my uh, the base that I have with the kids, and uh, only went that far because I needed more of more new chunks to load in that would actually load in the new features. Mm-hmm. So I mined up a ton of copper, ended up uh, finding a village that I set up a small base in for the short term that was next to a ravine that had one of the new geodes in it. And so, of course, the geodes are massive, uh, but you they're black on the outside, but once you break into them, they have these new amethyst crystals in them, mm-hmm. which you can grow more crystals on top of the other ones, but they're just really decoration. But they oh. also make sound, though, too. So when you're mining them, they actually make different sounds. And when you walk on them, they make really subtle sounds, kind of like the note blocks do. Interesting. So found a lot of that. I set up a um, nether portal so that way we could just kind of fast travel 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids could get there faster because I'm the only one who has an elytra out of all of them or out of all of us. Um, but did that and then ended up finding some of the other um, newer mobs, so Glow Squid and the Axolotl. Um, nice. Because the Glow Squid actually ended up being a neat thing to find because they drop a Glow Ink Sack now. So Ink Sack normally was to be able to make black dye and to use to make um, – uh, like a, a notebook that you could actually write in or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, you type out a message in and then you save it, whatever, in the in the game, you know, a book. Um, now, I, but, I don't recall, were squids hostile in the first place? Squids are, squids are not necessarily hostile in any of this. Uh-huh. Um, I think they can affect you. I think they've modified them so they actually do squirt ink and they can oh. damage you a little bit, but it's not a lot. Um, but the glow squid though, with that glow ink sack though, is that, um, the only thing you can really use it for right now is to combine with an item frame to get a glowing item frame. And so what yeah, I did is I did that. Pretty cool. <laughs> I did that with a couple of the item frames we have for our big like map that we have of, mm-hmm. of the overworld we've explored, I would say so far, but I've definitely been much farther than that. Oh, hi, Buppo. Um, of course the dog has to come yep. down and say hello. Guy, get out of there. <laughs> Guy, go. <laughs> He wanted to be in the podcast. Yep. Like, I've been playing games too, Dad. <laughs> Fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be an interesting uh, one, Dad. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, all just whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, you combine that there. So what I did is I took the one of the item frames from our overworld map, took the um, took one of the glowing sacks, put that together, and then slapped it back up there with the map mm-hmm. and got um, got that to glow. So at nighttime those frames that I've changed out with the glowing ones now actually will show up at night. So that way, if it's darker, you know, for whatever reason, anyway, being nighttime, the maps just glow. And I was like, that's kind of cool That's to have. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. They offer a little bit of light, which isn't, you know, which isn't bad. Does, it's just does a neat the axolotl thing. have any drop? Uh, I think it might drop a fish, but that's no. about it. Um, Cause the axolotl, you can't tame. Like you can't go and have one as a pet. If you lure one onto land, it will dry out um, and then die from that uh, from the um, from that damage. But it won't do anything there like that. You can lure it back with a bucket of fish. You can make like an aquarium if you wanted to, and you can breed them if you so choose. Right. But you can't tame one. You can't have an axolotl as a pet. So that bums out one kid, and it's like, well, that's what you got. Yeah. So, yeah. But. I would say the update, though, I think for the few things they added in are kind of cool. Um, I'm just really excited to see more of the changes, especially the new mob, the warden, going through caves and actually running into him. Because I, mm-hmm. I know as soon as I run into him, like I mean, we're going to have a lot to work on with that one as a family here playing that game. Now, is but, he another enemy or is he no, a op- real He's overworld. Or, he's yeah, overworld and say. he'll be in caves. So oh, okay. this is the mob I told you about last time where they can't see because of the darkness, but they're attuned to sound. So if you move, um, he'll know exactly where you're at, and he hits hard. I have a feeling the amethysts are going to be an advantage when uh, taking on wardens. Wow, I didn't think about that. Like yeah. maybe that you maybe get to a place where you know there might be one lay out a bunch there too so if he walks on him he might distract himself or you can and... shoot him oh yeah with the arrows and then you can attack him and he he'd I... be thinking oh well it's where the sound is i haven't actually tried shooting one to see if it does generate a sound from that no. i know that walking on it does it and of course when you're breaking it apart it makes the sound 
I wonder actually if shooting it with an arrow would do that. That would actually be a hell of a strat, especially yeah. depending on. I don't know what he drops though. That's the only thing I don't or know if, if he drops. If you like, can what use because you said it's a crystal. I wonder if you can maybe try and use it in some later update, or maybe if there's a way you can use it with arrows. They so. have spectral arrows now, which um, I can't remember even what those do. But they actually have um, status effect arrows, huh. where you can actually put like healing potions on the on them, so that way it's like if you shoot a buddy or something, you know, you can heal them up with it. Does it, does um, it kill a zombie if ones. you shoot a healing potion at it? I have no idea, but I will get back to you on that one because I have a couple just sitting around. You know, should I need one? So. I'm building a mob farm right now, so I'll try it out. I'll let you know what happens. You should be thinking about these things. Well, I do, <laughs> do I look like I have time to You know think there was Kyle? a guy that built a computer in, in Minecraft? Okay, do I look like I have time to build a computer <laughs> in Minecraft? I don't even have time to build a computer in real life right now. Yeah, I don't even have any true. of that. This is I, true. I barely have time to do the podcast right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, but on the game front, I honestly think that's – I think it's been everything. It's just I've been off all week from work, so I've had the time. It's like, you know, if the wife is doing something or, or you know, um, around the house and she doesn't care, you know, kids go out or whatever, then it's like I can just sit back and play for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to do that, which has been nice. Um, but, you know, I, I take it where I can get it, I guess. But I really want to finish Yakuza. I really I think if I'm going to push through anything, it'll really be to finish Mass Effect – and work through Yakuza. I know I got eight thousand other games to play, but mm. I think Yakuza is the most interesting one that I've played with how bizarre it is. And I need to spend the time playing that one a bit more because if that curveball ends up being what you're you know, you haven't really said what it is, but it sounds intriguing enough. I'm really looking forward to seeing I, it. I'm actually gonna try because I I, uh, I I downloaded it uh on my computer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna see if my save file from the disk version if I upload it to the cloud, maybe it'll work. I doubt mm. it, but uh, worth a try. I don't know. Uh, I'd be willing to start playing it again on console just to just to see, you know, see if we can beat it about the same time. I I am a further than you, but I I don't know. I'm still mass affected. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, I will say though, it does look good with uh, HDR. Oh, like I the bet. actual, I that, like the four oh, K HDR. I didn't even think, I think about the, that. The the I think that's the um, the colors look good. You can definitely tell because of it being. I, I think a game from not necessarily from Japan, but a game. Well, yeah, it's from Japan, but um, th- there's that stylizing that you see, especially like an anime. Mm-hmm. You know, it really carries over to to this itself, so you can see that. But I think they did a really good job for a lot of the textures, a lot of the visuals, and that looked good in four K. Um, you know, I, I think it looks pretty. That, that's one thing, um, I didn't even think about, um, in 2K, cause I, I had, when I, uh, tried this, I had it hooked up to my capture card. I was actually testing my capture card and right. playing on my 2K monitor Ooh. and, uh, the team up specials look super cool in, uh, 1440. So I can only imagine in, in 4K, they can. So you're, oh man! So you will get to a point in Yaku in in like a dragon that you will actually have more people with you. That oh you yeah! Can so oh, okay. like, um, you eventually get like specials. You'll get just like I, I think you already have one probably. Uh, like it, 
it, it's just like a wind up special and like the screen will kind of turn dark and then you just yeah it's like you do it in you attack. select it and then you're supposed to like hit x to charge it up yeah and then okay you slam down yeah, yeah i've got that one so it goes beyond that so you'll get ones that um you you'll get with like a partner so it'll be two people involved or it'll be all three people involved mm-hmm. in your team so like one guy will do one thing and then it'll end with him with, with the next member picking up uh, his attacks and then his attacks will end with the next guy picking up his attacks. It, they're pretty cool though. And they get really unique and just bonkers. Fair enough. That's actually really neat. Um, yeah. And of course they have the hmm. stupidest wild names. I, from what I have seen so far, I don't expect any less than I don't expect yeah. any less. So cool. Well, yeah, I will, uh, I will see how things go and, uh, I'm excited for you to play that one. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Well, with that, of course, being the last game, then uh, let's talk about, uh, I guess, our our topic. Let's let's call this new section because, of course, we went from being a topic of top 10 or top whatever moment, you know, whatever it is to an actual discussion on something, you know, in the video game industry. So let's call this the NPCs discuss. Yeah. I, I I don't know I I it just come we'll off go the top with that. of my head we'll go with that for now if, if who knows it maybe it'll the, stick it came off the top of my head and for some reason I see like if this was a video I see like a graphic like um I hear this like classical music in my head that you usually hear like in the movies to to show off like uh elegance and and elite like elitism and the fancy right. that stuff and so you see like a roaring fireplace in the background and a big chair but the book that's sitting on the table and the pipe on top of it but the book is actually like a strategy guide to a video game or something. <laughs> so you have that the pipe and then like a controller sitting there like a super nintendo one right i see that so anybody who listens to us who likes to animate by all means make us make us something like that even a gif and you know I'll I'll throw some money your way by all means because that just sounds really fucking cool. <laughs> but anyway, um, I left the topic in your hands this week though. So, uh, what were you had messaged me something there mm-hmm. this afternoon as kind of an idea to discuss? Um, so, what are you thinking? Oh, what what was it that I messaged? I, you talked about something with crossplay. Yeah. No. Um. So it it occurred to me. That that crossplay is becoming the real hot topic lately. Okay. I mean, you you've got Call of Duty that that's had crossplay with Black Ops and Warzone and whatnot, and and we kind of got into it um, on Friday. Um, and I I started thinking about it, and there's so many publishers that, you know, I I've said this that, you know, people they they can they've said they can't go in and just flip a switch, but we've we found out that they can. So I'm I'm kind of wondering, are we at a are we getting to a point? Do we maybe need to worry about the uh publishers trying to monetize monetize crossplay? Well, we've already kind of seen that anyway. So like exactly like you said, we talked about some mm-hmm. of this on Friday in the news live stream. So um, if anybody wants to see that again, of course, go to our YouTube or our Facebook there and go look for our most recent live stream. You can um, go and just fast forward to that one. But as we talked about in there is we found out in the Epic versus Apple lawsuit that Sony was vehemently against crossplay mm-hmm. because they didn't see any value in it for themselves. And so what they decided to do instead was 
come up with some sort of monetization for it to say, well, if someone's going to want to enable crossplay uh, with a game that's on PlayStation 4 and, of course, elsewhere, we want to do a revenue split on here where if the majority of people play on PlayStation, then we're not going to charge you. But if the revenue stream coming in differs based on this amount here and based on this this formula that we have, you're going to owe us a percentage, which looks like it's going to be it subtracts out some things there. And then it's like 15 percent of whatever it subtracts out ends up being what you owe. And the example we saw in that slide was like, what, fifty two, fifty three thousand dollars based on a million dollars in revenue for this mm-hmm. one thing. So it already is kind of there but you are right i mean we haven't really seen that from anybody else so far though um i mean what what are your thoughts on it though going in well i mean it it, it's become such a hot topic and you've got like well game pass i mean you you've got game pass wanting to go on everything phil spencer wants to put game pass on playstation he wants to put it on switch he wants to put it on your computer he wants to put it on your tv just on the TV when you buy it. Um, and then now we're talking about Game Pass sticks. Like, that that means crossplay is going to have to be there. I mean, especially if you if you open up access to other systems. And not only that, I, I, I kind of started talking about it during the news, but I, I feel like publishers would want crossplay to be there. I mean, I've... Not only would you want the players to be able to play with, you know, whoever they want to play with, but having the ability to have the pool of players keep keeps your servers open. It keeps players playing the game, keeps people interested, and potentially causes new revenue from the game in an extended, uh, or in the, I guess, in the long term. So, that's, yeah, that's very true because. A lot of it for crossplay anyway, or even like I really hate to say it. I mean, it, it is. It's all of it. All crossplay is not necessarily dependent on the actual mm-hmm. hardware manufacturers, like the actual like Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo. It's not up to them necessarily for crossplay to be there. It's up to the actual publishers and the developers for it to be there because they're the ones who are running the servers. I mean, if if the servers for say like we've got back for blood coming out here in a few months. Mm-hmm. The servers for back for blood are going to be like, let's say they're in AWS. Okay. That's something that none of those companies have their hands in unless they've got stuff running there, but that's great. That's not their stuff. So they can't necessarily control what comes in and out. I guess the same would go for even like having stuff in Microsoft's cloud. You know, you're using Microsoft's cloud, but you can use it for whatever you need to, as long as you don't break the terms of service. So right. All of that traffic is going to go back to those servers there and is going to just work no matter what because it's going to be it's going to be compiled, it's going to be read, and it's going to be uh, brought in and sent back out in the exact same way. The only thing that's different is just how the game on those consoles and on the PC, of course, interacts internally with the hardware. What's sent back to the hardware manufacturers, of course, for like their online services, PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live, mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch Online, uh, but what have you, that you're going to have some of that data going out that way. But it's not like a relay. It's not like we're going to send our data to Sony and Microsoft first, and then it's going to go from them and loop out back to 
their right. servers because that would be just another thing of like latency and, and just chaos for no, excuse me, for no reason. So there's no reason that it's like crossplay couldn't exist uh, on anything that's out there. And of course, right. with Back for Blood coming out, again, using that as an example, that's going to be on Game Pass day one. So a lot of the issues are not going to be on the Xbox side, except for maybe downloading the game itself. The server mm-hmm. side stuff is going to be on Turtle Rock's part. Well, mm-hmm. and here's one thing to think about, too, is um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when 360 came out, um, a lot of the uh, publishers and developers were, were relying on you, the the game console manufacturers to host the serv- services mm-hmm. and host their serv- servers. Mm-hmm. Now that's not so much anymore. I mean, you've got like big, big publishers, you know, Activision, Blizzard, uh, you know, EA. They all have their own servers for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's no reason for, for companies to not just say, hey, we're going to do it and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Or you don't get the game on your console. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I've done, like, I've gone through Amazon's... um cloud training and that mm. like i've done i've done like their their first tier of that training the cloud practitioner stuff and of course it goes into like all of it the whole point of the training is mostly about like what they offer you know it's like talking right. about the services what each thing does and so on and then you work your way from there up to more of the actual technical deploying and such but even in that first thing they talk about some of those services that are available for for game companies mm-hmm. like if you are a game company who wants to do a uh, multiplayer here is the core component that Amazon sells as a part of their AWS packages that you can include for multiplayer. It's like, here's all the core stuff you need. You guys have to provide your own code and that for your multiplayer to work. But here is the base level backend stuff that we handle, you know, that we provide to you. Right. You know, and you guys run with it and you modify what you need to to make that work on top of your code. And there you go. You're off to do it. But you are right. Back in the day of... Uh, like we go back to the old Xbox Live days on the original Xbox, a lot of that stuff, you're right, had to be hosted by the hardware manufacturers. Right. It had to be hosted by them because not that multiplayer was such a um, new or radical thing anyway, but because the online component for consoles was so new, at least to a point, well, and there was you a know, lot more reliance on it. I mean, some some games may continue to have longevity being exclusive to one console if it's on a major console. But if you think about games like when publishers are being paid to to put out games for Stadia, and are 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 they really going to want to have to host you know so many servers specifically for Stadia when the uh, player count? always fluctuates so crazy on that that platform i mean no i i'd want to throw those players in another pool with other players because not only that those players are going to be looking for matches forever oh agreed agreed you'd want that you'd want your player base to be able to expand because i mean if we circle back around to the way things are with sony right now where cross play has to be more of a a pay to play thing, Mm -hmm. not, not necessarily on the consumer side. Like we don't have to pay anything extra. It's the developers and the publishers who have to pay that. Um, that's where it kind of comes into being a problem is that you effectively make 
PlayStation more of a closed island, more of or, or an island of, in of itself. Yeah. Um, and it can't do that much there unless you have some way of being able to go ahead and pay for that. Because let's face it, right now, the PlayStation 5, there are not many of them out there right now compared to the PlayStation 4. Right. Let's say, looking at just the PlayStation 5 alone for how many people have that console, there are not many exclusive games on the PlayStation 5 right now. Yep. There really aren't. So one of the problems you're running into is there's a lot of things that end up having to be rebought because things won't work. You've got a lot of that confusion and complexity between the PlayStation 4 version of a game or the PlayStation 5 version. You have to have both installed. Um, because there's so few things going on there, a lot of your player base are going to be looking for those games that everybody else is playing. See? Warzone and Fortnite, the best example. So when you get into that situation where you've got these games that are very popular, um, you're going to have more people playing on all these other consoles. What's it going to look like for PlayStation 5 then? You know, what's the revenue stream going to look like there for Sony with PlayStation Network? Probably right. not a lot, which means they're going to be skimming off 15% of whatever that formula comes out to um to basically be able to go ahead and help whatever recoup whatever costs they need to and bigger publishers like if we continue to focus on warzone like with activision blizzard mm -hmm. they're going to be able to pay it that is no problem whatsoever for them to play it ea with like battlefront 2 for example they're gonna have no problems paying that but you get someone like an indie developer like let's say like let's go back in time here with like double fine studios for mm -hmm. example okay Double Fine Studios is a very popular studio, and they have put out some cult classics. They've put out a lot of good games there that a lot of people latch on to. Oh, yeah. Well, if they came out with a game that had a multiplayer component to it, and they were going to offer it across all these other platforms and offer cross-platform multiplayer with it, they're going to end up getting their asses handed to them on Sony's side. Oh, because yeah. Because they're not going to be able to potentially pay that amount for doing this they're either going to have to not do it or pass the cost off to the players yeah. by charging extra for it like we see you know games costing like 70 bucks now some games are costing mm -hmm. 70 dollars now on the newer consoles that's something you're gonna see is that while double fine is very popular they may not have the revenue stream like ea and activision and epic are going to to be able to help recoup those and costs. I, I think you're going to see a lot of third-party publishers and third-party developers pulling out just entirely from PlayStation because of that wariness of not being the team players. They they want to be the isolated guys that, that that they're so cool that they don't need to play with with everyone else, you know. Like like even look at Bethesda now being owned by Microsoft and look at how many people are probably going to get screwed over on whatever happens next, like with Fallout. I mean, Fallout 76 right mm -hmm. now, of course, is is one thing that you can play across all the different platforms. But I'm talking like if you what want if, to. <laughs> if you want to. But what if they what if Fallout 5, the next one that comes out, or they there or Obsidian decides to come out and say, hey, we're gonna do a Fallout New Vegas 2. Oh man. you know, we're gonna get a second entry in the New Vegas series. And because Obsidian and Bethesda are both owned by Microsoft now, you know. Are they going to really want to play ball with Sony on this? Are they going to play ball with everybody else? And just because of Sony's practices, they're going to be like, no, thanks, you know, and they won't even release the game over there. So you might not like what would happen? Like you're going to piss off a, a swath of players there 
because that might be a cost, especially mm-hmm. if those games have multiplayer components to them. Not in the vein of like Fallout 76, where it's like the um, the MMO style of uh, of game, but it's more of a um, more of just you could bring in another player to play with you. So you could do like a two player um, online thing where you still get the dialogue stuff. You see what each other's doing, but you have right. a story to complete together. Um, I'm just saying it's like Microsoft makes a lot of money. They just hit a two trillion dollar market cap. Uh, just this last week are they going to play ball with sony though and say well yeah we're gonna have more players probably over here so it looks like based on your amount we're gonna owe you oh i don't know maybe 250 300 this month you know and for them that's a drop in the bucket but right. that's potential r&d costs that's potential um that's potential um marketing costs there too for them, i don't know i i know? have a feeling sony's gonna pump the brakes and uh flip around on it real quick Probably within the next six to eight months. But the que- if I had to take a guess. But the question, though, comes down to it is what happens next if they don't flip around? Because they're struggling anyway right now in the in part of the game space, specifically with like Game Pass, really taking away a lot of market. Uh, they're they're going to have to start paying publishers yeah. for exclusives. Yeah, I mean, you look at the list that that Microsoft has as exclusives coming out for the Xbox Series units, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, it's tremendous. I mean, it, it's three, four, five times as long as Sony's list. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, they're all going to be Game Pass Day One. So if you've got an Xbox One. You can play it on Xbox One through Game Pass. Yeah, or even with the game streaming stuff, though, yeah. too, where you can use an older console now to play higher-quality games. Yeah. You may not get the output to 4K HDR, but you're going to be able to play newer games, though, too. So Sony, especially looking at – because we're focusing on crossplay right now, because of all those games releasing on Game Pass Day 1, that's kind of what I was going with, is that so many more people are going to be out there adopting Game Pass, even if they don't oh, yeah. have a – even if they don't have a series console or one of the uh, uh, Xbox One generation consoles, you know, um, if they just have a laptop, they could go buy an Xbox controller and then do game streaming through there. And a lot of the games that are there in game streaming are more likely than not going to be ones that can actually be played as a part of Game Pass Day One stuff. Like look at Halo Infinite coming out and the free multiplayer Mm -hmm. there. You are going to have so many people hitting that game day one. I mean, more specifically, the multiplayer part, but... I'm going to jump ship on all all my multiplayer games for a little while, because I know everything I've heard points that uh, Reach is going to be their season one, and Reach is my favorite Halo game. Well, second favorite Halo game. Right. It's just, it's it's going to be one of those things that you're going to see so many people out there realizing that I don't have to go buy a $500 console now to get Mm -hmm. this same experience. And I can now do cross-play between older generation of console to the newer generation of console to PC. And I don't even have to have a PC that has a Ryzen 9 5950X and a and a an RTX 3090. You know, I don't have to have something like this to play these games. No. I could take my four-year-old laptop, go pay 60 bucks for an Xbox controller, and go pay for Game Pass with you all that. You can do it on a it. Chromebook. That too. And th- those yeah. things are pieces of crap. <laughs> Agreed. But the cross-play market opens up so much more because you're not holding people back 
on any of that either. Yeah. And that's where Sony's starting to really like isolate and island themselves right now is because they charge for all of that and or they, they're they're charging the devs for all of that, as we've said several times here now, but because they don't have a component there to help offer the competition and they they wall themselves off, they're really going to be hurting their bottom line and they're going yeah. to be hurting the key thing that they need to focus on, which is the player base. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, there are people like Preston swears up and down by the PlayStation. He really does. And he's always oh, talked about it being the exclusives because you look at the games that come out there and I agree with him. There's a lot of good exclusives. The Last of Us series, the Uncharted series, uh, Spider-Man. Why are so many of those games coming to PC now? Yeah, exactly. We've, we've got think, Horizon. Yeah. We've got Death Stranding. Um, what? There was another one that was... Uh, just coming out here soon and then uncharted 4 could be in the works for pc yeah. so i mean there's a lot of first party titles jump yeah. and ship just so they can go to pc yeah um playstation found out uh, well if we open up this other outlet there is a huge other revenue stream for our exclusive titles yeah yeah, and I think what really helps a lot anyway in Xbox's part, but this is going to be more the fact of who makes the Xbox anyway, Microsoft, mm -hmm. is that the base component of the software, that kernel uh, that runs on the Series X and the S and the Xbox One series of consoles, mm -hmm. all run Windows 8 or Windows 10. And because they run that base set of software, when it comes time to Game Pass stuff, Game Pass for PC... Granted, every, of course, hardware is going to be different. That base kernel is still the same across the mm -hmm. board. So, of course, that's one thing with Sony. But, you know, I digress. That, that's definitely way out there anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't see Sony making their own, like, or, um, uh, desktop OS. I'm just saying, though, anyways, that that's what makes it easier for them to bridge that. Yeah. But they're not positioned in a way that they've got any titles that are coming out. They're going to, or at least there's these other titles come out that, you know, crossplay is going to potentially be there, but it's going to be thought more of just like an off thing compared to every other console that a game can get well, up getting and end it, up getting released on. It's not even just crossplay for multiplayer. Um, we had talked about the crossplay with saves, and yeah, that that's a whole new other ball game that you know Sony they're not willing to necessarily play that game either, and yeah. I mean. For me, it, it it comes at a huge advantage when I can get a game on my PC or my Xbox and I can take the save, upload it to the cloud, and it's it's uploaded to the um the the publisher's cloud and I can download it onto my mm -hmm. Switch and or you know, I can download it onto my phone for Game Pass and I can still play it on on the go. That's what made my kid happy is that it's like, hey, let's let's download Minecraft onto the Series X and just see how fast it loads, just see how it looks, because I mean Minecraft's Minecraft. And so when we did that, all of the saves of every map, every creative mode he had put up there, every world that he had put up there were that he had on the Xbox One were right there to grab. And to be able to load that up and see that on the bigger TV again and things just load up like that, yeah. just as snappy as possible, just blew his mind. And it's just nice when things yeah, work. It's nice. And that does still come into the whole crossplay thing because you can import some of that stuff. I mean, yeah. even look at um, we go back. I'm going back to Warzone again because this one sits in my head anyway from um, just just because of how popular it is, though, is that I played Warzone a lot on PC 
And then I finally got Modern Warfare, of course, from you. Mm-hmm. And so I went and played the campaign on the Series X. And then I tried out some Warzone on the console. Every single thing I had earned on the PC was there on my console. All of my weapon loadouts were right there. So I could get back to everything. Everything was nice and familiar. My level was there. Everything I had done. It's nice when it just works. It's nice when it just works. And that's the whole point of crossplay is to make it just work, to not alienate any of your players. And one company we haven't even talked about here, but to be perfectly honest, like I, I hate to say that we really shouldn't care about this, but we really should, is it's Nintendo. Nintendo's crossplay setup there anyway has only been one of those things that's kind of come up recently because of the games they've adopted on the Switch. Yeah. Rocket League, uh, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Overwatch. Overwatch. Um, I'm going to look at those four right now, especially because Overwatch just added crossplay. Um, you know, to, to a point apex legends has cross play that they mm-hmm. enabled earlier this year or late last year. I can't, I can't exactly remember, um, rocket league and, uh, rocket league was one of them. Of course, then Fortnite was the first one because of course, you know, we learned again, Epic versus Apple, how much, um, Epic really pushed out there to enable this type of support. So, it's like Nintendo has been trying to play some catch up on there, but obviously you're not going to be doing anything mm-hmm. like that for most Nintendo stuff because a nothing really against Nintendo, but playing some of these games on a switch are not as fun or as easy to do compared to something like on a PC. Right. Just because like using the joy cons is one thing. The pro controller is fine, but to be perfectly honest with you, you're better off playing some of those cross platform games on different things right because the switch is definitely positioned differently so i i give a little bit of leeway and that's why i was saying maybe we should care maybe we shouldn't but the switch is one of those that you know i mean nintendo's kind of trying to figure it out we just have to see what happens if the ever elusive switch pro finally drops you know (laughs) god because that's just been teasing us for fucking ever um but i just don't know what is really happening in the world of crossplay anymore because it seems like everybody else has it figured out except Sony. Yeah. Just Sony wants their cut because it's like, they think it's going to dip into their revenue that bad. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, because it's not like, I mean, it's causing players to not have to go buy another console, which means that, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're playing that console instead of your console, which when when they're playing that console more, all of a sudden, well, it's just easier to go get a game for that console because it's already hooked up and it's what they're on all the time anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, because we already all of know, a sudden they just jumped ship exactly because we already know that the way that these companies make money is in software and services. It's mm-hmm. not the hardware. No, they lose it's money. The, yeah, it's it's the software that goes with it, the games, and it's the services. PlayStation Now, PlayStation Plus, you know, all of that comes into what actually makes them the money. Yeah. And you're exactly right. If you can't come to an agreement on crossplay or you're going to charge all this money for crossplay, then where you're going to end up having that problem is exactly it. You're going to say screw it to the PlayStation. You're going to go potentially get yourself a PC set up, you know, depending on parts and that. You're going to go potentially build a gaming PC and you're going to have a litany of games available to you that you're going to be able to play with people on Xbox um some things on playstation yeah and of course across all other pcs as well though too and mac in some cases or or you're gonna be like me and you'll you'll have a playstation to play exclusives and that's pretty much the only time you ever turn it on yeah that's what really, you know that's what that's what really gets to me is is the exclusive stuff because we when we started this podcast two years ago 
one of our discussions that we had was about PC versus console. And we got to a point in that discussion where it just seemed like the back and forth arguments were really just coming down to exclusives. Mm -hmm. That was really where it came down to is about what you saw there for exclusives. And of course, we saw, like you said, Sony's branched out. We got Horizon Zero Dawn, Death Stranding out on PC now. Right. But even then, I mean, now that I've been on Steam again, PC still has way more games than anyone else. Because, I mean, you got to imagine... All the shovelware that releases on Switch, uh-huh. plus their regular games, yep. plus you know any third-party games that are released on Sony and Xbox, yep. plus any Xbox games, yep. They're all they're all on PC. Yeah, and then the backwards compatibility is mo- mostly there. I'm saying mostly right now because, mm-hmm. like, I ran into an issue um, years ago after I got my first gaming PC uh, running Windows Seven that. Um, after my upgrade, I can't. I think it was from Windows Seven to Eight that Bioshock Two would not load. Oh yeah, I had a weird crash issue, and it was a known thing. I don't know if I've been able to get it to work since because as long as you owned it, you got that Bioshock and Bioshock Two remastered versions. As long as you had them in your Steam library, they just gave them to you. But I haven't tried to install them since. But I know that was one thing. But the backwards compatibility stuff is still there to this day. Yeah, at least that you could go back if you want to run. Some of these older games, you might have to finagle a little bit, but you don't have to do anything out of the ordinary. And uh, that's just where it's like, you know, PC becomes kind of that ultimate thing there where the cross play on Mm -hmm. there ends up kind of becoming the ultimate like machine to actually do cross play on. It it, it is, especially because of how big PC gaming got Mm -hmm. in the last few years, in the last, I'd say probably about 10 years or so how it's really evolved to what it is now. Oh yeah. So Sony's got a lot of catching up and in the war in like the world of crossplay, being that's our topic right now, everyone else I think is doing just fine. Yeah. And that Sony needs to figure their shit out. I mean, you gotta figure Nintendo has kinda always run on their own they they've run to the beat of their own drum. Oh they've, of course. they've always have and they always will. And you know, they're Nintendo so they can. Of course. But Sony doesn't have that luxury, and mm-hmm. especially when you know an up a new up and comer. And I can say new up up and comer because you think about it, Xbox's generation started right around after the Dreamcast. Yeah, and that was a hundred twenty eight bit unit. Yeah, so. We were already a few generations into this console game. So Sony Sony has has been in it for quite a while longer. I mean, they were going to come out with a system with Nintendo. Yeah. Cuz the uh, cuz wasn't the didn't the Xbox drop just before the GameCube? Uh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're only 20 years ago now. I mean, let let that sink only, in. Only only 20 years when Nintendo's been doing this for about 35 36 years now. Yeah, I mean that—that's what's crazy. Well, yeah, we are still celebrating some of the Mario 35th, but, but but to be fair, the the NES launched in the U.S. the year I was born. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, so Sony's got to be shaking in their boots a little bit when an up and comer. Yeah, twenty years, but still, he's the youngin. Yeah, and, and they're bringing everything together now. Yeah, they really are. I think that 
I think that when it comes down to a lot of who like wins in the console generation stuff, I think I think Microsoft is really more at the front of things right now. I, I really think Microsoft oh, yeah. has taken the lead of that. Like where I think Sony has done a good job on the hardware that they have. See, and that that's what I was but, gonna say is you. Everyone always says you know Sony won the PlayStation Three or the 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 console generation from uh ps3 and 360 sony one xbox one and and ps4 and yeah that may be true but think about all the innovations that xbox had during that time absolutely with 360 with xbox one think about all the stuff that playstation had to backtrack and they saw xbox doing and they were like oh shit we got to do that too yeah because the playstation 3 dropped with um the hard drive that you could actually change out it dropped with the ability to boot into Linux on it. Yeah. It dropped with backwards compatibility. Of course, the 360 had backwards compatibility, though, anyway, because it was just the, you know, it was the second console. But then they removed all of that, yeah. except, of course, for the hard drive swap out stuff. They removed a lot of those features. And then Microsoft, of course, they didn't hit it out of the park with the Xbox One and the Kinect. But even so maybe, they learned from their mistakes. Maybe we should have taken that as foreshadowing that they were going to be shackling their own users in the future. On Sony's part? Yeah. Oh yeah. Taking away Linux and and doing all yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. I I it's very likely that's the case. I mean, hell, we could even look at one thing that it's like here we've got our M.2 SSD expansion slot here. So if you want to add more storage, you can do that here in 8 months. In 8 months. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft, on the other hand, of course, went, you know, the different route with the proprietary Compact Flash. Um, what is it? It's not Compact Flash Express, is it? I can't remember the actual name yeah, of the thing. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's a CF. It's a CF interface, but yeah. I can't, I can't remember. I don't want to say it's Express because all I think of is just those the old memory cards you used to have for like it, it, cameras. When, but when you take them apart, they basically look like a compact flash. Just about, but it uses yeah. an interface that's closer to what you'd see like for M.2. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So they went the proprietary route, but it's more like, well, yeah, you can do your expandable storage. You just got to stick with us. And then, you know, it's 220 bucks for an additional terabyte. Actually, you know what it kind of, they kind of remind me of, um, if you've seen the new, the newer compact flash cards, uh, for high speed, um, DSLRs, that's exactly what they are. It's yeah. the same tech. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I looked into it cuz I my hope when the Series X launched that it was just a it was just one of those smaller like uh quarter-sized M.2 drives mm-hmm. that someone um would have taken apart and actually saw how it all worked and then you could get 3D printed shells and mm-hmm. then just buy an M.2 and just go in but nope, we all got played. Oh yeah, no. And even yeah. worse, it's uh it it's got some crazy formatting on it too, some partitioning that's it's pretty wicked. There's that as well. So. so I guess the I guess the moral of the story here is don't charge for something that you shouldn't need to charge for. Right. Just because you can. Doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we got that at a crossplay, but yeah, no, I <sighs> That's really what yeah. it came down to. It, it really, it really does. It's damn yeah. it, Sony. <laughs> yeah, just keep working on that. P team players, come yeah. on, get get the crossplay going, get that PSVR two out, and then start making more PlayStation fives. But that's, yeah, that's not on me. Anyway, with that though, that is our episode. You heard what we're playing. You hear what we're discussing. And of course, if you've been listening to it, you got to like it, don't you think, Kyle? Oh yeah, you got to like it. Yeah. So if you like it, you like listening to us, and we don't drone on too much, which 
I'll fully admit I do. <laughs> By all means, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Whichever one you're on right now, go ahead and hit that button so you know when a new episode becomes available. If you're not on your favorite podcast platform, go to our homepage, anchor.fm slash the dash podcast. All the links there of every platform we're supported on doesn't include places like TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Those are a couple spots we're also on as well. So go make sure to follow us on the one you like the most. Of course, Kyle and I also support the Open Critic Weekly Recap, which is a news podcast about 13 to 16 minutes of your Friday. Go ahead and listen to that. You can actually get a recap of all the important video game news that came out that week. Of course, following that, in the evening, we do our weekly news roundup live stream where we talk about the news as well, specifically for the NPCs. So be sure to go check that out on our YouTube and our Facebook pages at 8 p.m. Mountain Time Friday nights. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you guys all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>